Off top, Clarence Big House Gaines is in the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. But did you know, in the 1940s, he was not only the basketball coach at Winston-Salem State, but he was also the football coach, the athletic director, the trainer, and the ticket manager. And he got football coach of the year before committing himself only to basketball. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Chuck? <laughs> Does anybody call you Chuck? Uh, from time to time. All right, cool. Maybe yeah. we'll make that a thing here. Anyway, Big House, pretty impressive guy that coach there. Very cool. I didn't yeah. know he was coach of the year. He could be a Hall of Famer football coach, but maybe not. They were 8-1. and one. He got coach of the year, and then it's like, no, nope, I'm good on that. Let me do basketball. Way to go, Clarence. Love a good Clarence. Speaking of unusual coaches <laughs> Dion Sanders yes so um coach prime coach prime you don't call him Dion why not I don't get that like it doesn't feel like disrespect to me to call him Dion like it's, it feels like the utmost respect it's like how we call Beyonce Beyonce we That's don't exactly call her right. Mrs. Knowles Carter we call her Beyonce because there is only one and there is only one Dion but there's only one coach prime too but anyway we're talking about him but not really talking about him. We're more talking about Jay Norvell, the head coach for the team that Dion's team is about to demolish this weekend. It will be my guest. The, 23 and a half point favorites. Yeah, the Colorado State Rams. He said the very foolish thing of uh, he's kind of judging Dion by saying, by pointing out that his mother taught him that he should take off his hat and glasses when he's talking to grownups. Well, we can listen to it. Do you want to listen to the Ooh. clip? Let's uh, let's actually Look let's let J- Jay Norvell speak for himself on this one. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught. Me. So. So I'm of a bunch of different minds, but I imagine by the time people are listening or watching this, they've already heard everyone say how stupid a thing that is for him to say. So I'm assuming that you've heard that. But what it makes me think of is head football coaches don't know their job. Yeah. And there's only like game planning. You can hire an assistant for that. That's what coordinators are supposed to do. Clock management. You can have someone in your ear helping you out. Like you can find a way around or find someone else to do all the other jobs that people believe the head coach's job is. The one thing that head coaches can do that no one else can do is speak to the media in a way that sets the tone for your organization, sets the tone for your team, sets the culture, and also controls the narrative around your team. Like, that is your only job. And I think that head coaches don't realize that it's a lot like being a politician, is once you get elected to office, your job is not to write bills. Your job is to smile and have people have faith in you and understand what you represent. Like, it's a lot more of a public-facing job. Like, when people say you're the CEO of uh, of a uh, um, program, I get why they say that, but that's not completely true. But I get it. But CEOs, they do earnings calls. They understand. They are careful, or they should be at least careful about what they say in the media. And I know this may be a bit of... Uh, odd direction to take this, but it just frustrates me. Here in D.C., we had uh, Riverboat Ron do the same thing, and it happens so often where coaches just have these unforced errors where they are in the media. And so when you are Jay Norvell, and the key to you having success in your job 
is getting young people to come play for you, why in the hell would you want to stake yourself out as the uncool guy who is behind the times and saying like somewhat coded things about a football coach who is then going to likely beat your So I we might need to queue up this clip one more time because the number one thing I noticed watching this clip is who are the people apl- up applauding at the end of this can we can we roll this one more time really quickly because he thought he came off and crushed it yeah. he thought it was super cool and i sat down with the espn today and i don't care if they hear it in boulder i told them i took my hat off and i took my glasses off and i said when i talk to grown-ups i take my hat and my glasses off that's what my mother talked <laughs> so is that trash talk like from the colin coward school of trash talk it's just it's just bad. a back he's just a backward tech kind of guy it's just bad so i guess i don't understand the point of it and so when it, you could tell by the way he was delivering it that he was like oh i'm gonna kill him with this one and you have to know what so when you're talking to the media and you're in a leadership role you have to know who you're talking to mm-hmm. you're not talking to the reporter you're not talking the room to the room full of old white people who are going to be excited by this you are talking to the rest of the world or you're talking to your players and that's why i like we saw Robert Sala the other day when when uh, Aaron Rodgers injury was announced. Robert Sala stood up and he said the things that you're supposed to say that deep in his heart. He did not believe this is Josh Wilson's team. We are uh, Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach. I always think of Josh. I had a teammate named Josh yeah. Wilson. I always call him Josh Wilson. Anyway, this is Zach Wilson's team. This or might I don't as well know. be playing uh, Josh Wilson, the quarterback, to be <laughs> Josh, honest. He was a pretty good corner. He had a good little NFL career. He does yeah. real estate right here now. Um, <laughs> what? Him, and, him and Cam Cameron. Yeah. Give my, yeah. No, Josh does. He does. No, he does commercial stuff. I think yeah. Cam is more residential. Josh is beating Cam in the real estate game. Okay. I guarantee it. Anyway. Um, so who are you talking to? And he was he wanted to win that room. And maybe he won the room. Congratulations. You won the room. You know who's not going to come sign and, and run, rush the passer for you? Those old people in that room who were excited about you. And so you need to understand. And the point I was making about Salah is like he said, I don't know why they're writing an obituary under our team names. Yes, you do. You know why. It's because Aaron Rodgers, the person who you were like giddy over all summer is hurt. But uh, he understands that I have to say this because if I come up here and tell them what I said to my wife when I got home last night that we are in trouble and this sucks. What did I do wrong? Why do I don't deserve this? Then we're in a bad, in bad shape. So I guess I imagine that Robert Sala went home and was like, I can't wait to buy a house from Zach Wilson in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, poor Zach. I mean, Zach, he got enough money that he doesn't need to get into real estate. I'm rooting for Zach Wilson. But anyway, my point is that it's just frustrating when you see that. And to me, at least, is football coaches, and I guess this happens in a lot of industries where if you're really good at your job, you'll get promoted, you get promoted, and you don't realize that now your job is something different. Like being the head of all of the salespeople is different than being a salesperson. And you see that from these coaches time after time. And that kind of overarching thing is what jumped out to me is like, it's such an unforced error. Like, what are you thinking? How do you think this is gonna help you? All this is going to do is give them something to mock you about and embarrass you. So I don't know if that is at all relevant to you, but that's what I thought is that he's not long for this position. So what I thought is that this is going to be the first amongst many in the cottage industry of college coaches who are pissed off and want to critique Deion Sanders. And like, we thought this was going to come after a loss, but now his team looks like, I mean, us in the media, we are very much hoping they are 4-0 when they get to play against oh. USC in a couple weeks. And it will. It actually might be the rare football story that could swallow up a week of the NFL season. 
it might be. I mean, it depends what happens on the NFL weekend. But, yeah, that we normally come in here and ready to talk about the game Sunday night and whatever happened. We didn't talk about Coco Golf till, till today's show. Right. We didn't talk about um, Prime until today's show because NFL matters. But, yeah, Caleb versus Prime. Is go- Shador, Shador Sanders, yeah, Travis, Travis Hunter. Hunter yeah. yeah, It's going to be a big deal. So we are all rooting for it to happen. And I do feel like there are, to your point, he is not any different than any other college coach football. Um, Deion Sanders, yeah. that is. And neither is Jay Norvell. I imagine Jay Norvell is amongst dozens of coaches who are annoyed by, uh, by the Deion Sanders mania that's taken over yeah. college football. Yeah. And the, my point is they're annoyed by it because they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the old Chris Rock joke. You're only as faithful as your options. Y'all would turn over your roster just as fast as Deion Sanders if you could bring in some players as quickly as Deion Sanders could. You would. You may not say Louis Bags. You might not have a video about it. You may not do any of that stuff. But you could argue that that's benefiting Deion because how else do you reach uh, young people other than at least this is just my old person thinking is like being famous and having a presence on social media has to help him. Well, also the the turning over the roster thing isn't that. Dion is just laying bare what we have talked about over and over and over and over again with college football. He's just treating them like professional athletes. I'm of two minds in that conversation because, like, I will defend Dion against people who are being critical of Dion for turning over the roster. Because, Mm -hmm. as I just mentioned, everyone would do it if they could. If they could get better players. We did it at Maryland. I saw players who came in there. I remember a receiver distinctly being very upset and crying because he had to transfer to Hofstra because he was no longer good enough or they determined he wasn't good enough after we had that my freshman year we went we did well we were able to recruit better talent and they were like hey you were here from the old regime and now you can't run routes for us anymore you got to go so it's been happening for a long time but so i will defend dion from anyone who's saying that he's doing it different and doing wrong but what i will say is i hate that they can do it yeah so you are firing them without accepting that they are employees. So by all means, fire away. Hire the best laborers that money can buy. But buy them with money. And like that's the part, uh, to your point, maybe this will help. Maybe this will draw attention and the general uh, jealousy around Deion Sanders will allow everyone else to realize that you're doing the same thing. People will start playing the same game. Yeah. If you want to win, you play the games of the people who are doing it better than you. But can anybody else play this game? I'm sh- I am certain that there are maybe not not the PR game, not the game of like taking over the media or being a cool college football coach because there are great college football coaches and none of them are remotely cool. Yeah, like, that's the game that he's playing, though. That's but, the, I mean, that's because I think we agree that he's not doing anything any di- he's not doing things differently than any other coach. The only thing that he's doing different is bringing is being himself. The difference is that Dion is the program. And that's yeah. what's 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 like. Dion is going to move schools. He will not be at Colorado long term. I guarantee it. It's a, that's a guarantee. Um, but there are programs that are cool, even though there are coaches that are not. Like there, and that has always been the appealing thing of like, yeah, if you have boosters that recruit you to uh, a cool program, you get the right coach and you can turn over the roster the same way. The difference is that like, there won't be a sports iconoclast running said program who is cool and coaching you. You'll get some stodgy old guy who is militaristic and talking down to you more or less. Maybe this is where we have to accept that we're old is because I'm not sure that there are programs that are cool. I think there might be programs that are cool to you and programs that are cool to me, but most of the programs that are cool are cool because they're successful programs, right? Yeah. What's a cool program that's not successful? Who, like no one's signing up. I think Miami's still cool, even though they 
yeah. sort of stink. Yeah. USC was CUSC is cool. Yeah, and I think that's us. I think yeah. we think it's cool. And no one cares what we think. Like Wait, Reggie I, Bush doesn't still play for USC? <laughs> yeah. We think it's cool because we grew up watching Reggie Bush play for USC. And we grew up watching that Miami roster that had Hall of Famers backing up Hall of Famers yeah. uh, standing next to other Hall of Famers. And so that was cool. Uh, but I don't think that other kids do. Young Big kids. 10, not cool. I mean, it wasn't until Maryland got there. Bring a little... Uh, ACC style to it. The Big Ten is so cool. I hated the Big Ten when I was young. I told you this story before that um, I, I was considering going to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then I looked and was like, oh, cornerbacks in Michigan are just little safeties. Like, just, <laughs> just everybody, it's just a, a four hour uh, run install period, nine on seven. Nobody wants to do that all day. Yeah. Um, I did you watch when we started talking about cornerbacks? It made me think of my my guy, Cooper DeGene. I have seen some Cooper DeGene highlights. Yeah. So he's not just a true corner. No. So he's he's, uh, he's a hybrid player. Yeah, hybrid player. I follow him on social media right now. Um, I just started this weekend and like the cut of his jib. Yeah. He doesn't give off Iowa. He doesn't no, give he off does not. Iowa at all. He uh, if you didn't look at him and you just heard him described you would be like oh great another great talented athlete out of atlanta georgia that's right <laughs> a lot of a lot of future on my man's uh instagram and uh tiktok all right anything else you want to talk about um the only last thing i wanted to ask you about with the dion stuff mm. is none of the coaches going at dion like we heard last week shador sanders talk about matt rule making it personal and that's why they they laid it on nebraska None of that actually matters, right? Like, none of these players are actually, like, they're just better than the other teams currently. I think so. I mean, I, because this is going to be a storyline for as long as this right. Deion Sanders is sort of, this Deion Sanders-led team is, is the story of college football and, like, the rebellious upstart. Yeah, so Matt Rule's a good example because in the offseason, he said some things that were kind of, like, suggest that he wouldn't do it the way that Deion did. Yeah, and then he accidentally stepped on the logo and yeah. then apologized for it. Yeah, I mean, the, the logo stuff, yeah. to me, it doesn't matter. It's, like, that's not as real as the other stuff. Yeah. The other stuff was, like, an actual, like, criticism of the mm -hmm. way he was doing it. And obviously he's lying. He would do it the same way if he had the cachet to pull it off, but he doesn't. Maybe he wouldn't uh, use the same terminology, but he'd do it the same way. Um, I forgot what your question was. Does any of this sort of oh, bulletin board, board oh, material actually matter? Um, so, like, intangibles are hard to measure. I, I tend to think that where it might matter and where Dion might be able to make it matter is – I don't think we. I did this on the show before. I don't think that the pregame speech helps that yeah. much. It might fire you up for a minute, but maybe the first kickoff and the first couple snaps, you are on edge. But where it does matter, I think, is in preparation. Yeah. And so, I think it probably helps. And Dion seems to be a master at this. Is the very overused term of narrative? Yeah. Creating a narrative matters. Creating a story matters. The persecution complex, it matters to the, degree, to the degree that when you are faced with a decision, am I going to open my playbook or am I going to go to the bar in college? If in your mind, this week is personal, this matters, then you make that decision that might help you do a little better on the field. And I think that's where if they can convince them 
it's hard to do it every single week. But it, the coaches are going to give that to them every week with this. Right. They are, they are, the opposing coaches are marketing Colorado for Dion at this point. Yeah. So if they're going to give them that every week, then I, I think it's hard to sustain it week after week because it's like a rivalry game in college. Mm-hmm. And you know this from being a fan. It feels different that week. Every fan knows Bandy it. had no rivals. <laughs> well, um, you know it from nah, being yeah, yeah. in sports media. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who watches this knows it from being a fan. And in the NFL, to some degree, and, and – uh, professional sports to some degree it's a little bit different but college I remember being like amped up for a Virginia game and like out of my mind to the point where I'd be ready like I really thought that they were different yeah. <laughs> like you know and you, like you really believe it you really buy into it so in those weeks leading up to it and over the summer I know uh, Michigan and Ohio State do this like in their training camp yeah over the summer and their workout programs over the summer, everything is geared towards this one game, this one team. So I think if it does matter, it doesn't matter on the day. The only reason, only reason why it has an impact on a day is if it's deeply held and it helps to drive them during the week to do the, like you don't want to be the one that makes the, the missed assignment or makes the mental error that causes us a mistake. So that drives you to be even be, be even more prepared. Got it. I mean, at some point, we have to go to a Coach Prime game. I don't know if you saw the amount of shows that are at, out of Boulder this weekend, but it's like 60 minutes, first take, Pat McAfee show, big noon kickoff, college game day. Lord, that's so impressive, man. It's really impressive how he's done this so quickly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see Coach Prime play. Let's make it happen. Definitely. Who do I need to call? First album I ever bought with my own money. What? Deion Sanders album. What? Yeah. Do you know any other songs on it other no. than Must Be the Money? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, my oh, first album I bought my own money. I don't know. I know the first album with prof- or the first uh, tape because I'm older than you. I got with Profanity <laughs> on it wasn't a full album. It was the Ghetto Boys. Oh, mine's playing tricks yeah, on me. It's great. I was very great young. tape. I was gonna call it an album, but it was before you put the parental advisory stickers yeah. on it, and so my parents bought it for me not knowing, and yeah, I rocked out to it. I don't know what I bought my own money. I do remember buying. Uh, Onyx, I really like Onyx. They were good. Shut them down. Slam. Yeah. You remember that? Oh yeah. I spent uh, a lot of money on No Limit stuff. I know. Uh... Wasn't very about the Cannabis album. You remember Cannabis? No. He was an incredible lyricist. He okay. was a he was a mixtape backpack, top of the top, and then you put him over a, a album, and it was. I mean, at garbage. that point, I was, I was just listening to Must Be the Money on repeat. <laughs> Let's be the money. It's a good song, man. Oh, yeah. It's a great album. Damn Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful 
for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right. What are we doing now? Let's talk to our man, Gojo. NFL. I can't remember the first album I bought with my own money. I remember the first album I ever went with somebody to buy, and it came up the other day. Did you guys see that In the Club uh, discourse going on online? Oh, I did not see In the Club discourse, but damn, you're young. Get Rich or Die Trying, I went with my Aunt Tracy Uh, to a Strawberries in Avon, Connecticut to go buy the physical CD with her. And someone the other day came out and said they would never play in the club on a DJ set they're playing right now and tried to use that as an indictment of the song somehow. But what? what? It's like- so A, why not? And B, so? I don't mean that it ain't a, a, a banger. They, they literally <laughs> said, I know it had a lot of commercial success and charted really well, but Amazing there's song. no but. It was one of the best songs of the early 2000s, period. End of sentence. Charlie, you could probably guess this about me. I didn't, I didn't love that album at first. It took a while to grow on. Yeah, but also <laughs> you, you got to realize, like, you, this is the, this is the seven year age gap. Yeah. Because you no, were what nineteen? I, I was in college. Yeah, yeah, you were nineteen. I was twelve. Oh <laughs> yeah. So that's fine. That's fine. That makes sense. So I was. I remember being um like Eminem had the best verses on that album. Yeah. And I remember being like. 50 like what are you doing like because the 50 cent that i knew was again yeah, mixtapes mix and it was 50. like robbing the industry it was like 50 so like like not commercial and then he went and got with dre and went commercial so i was like trying to be like cool by being like uh i don't know it is commercial 50 but then it's just undeniable just slap every, after slap every after slap. single f- song was complete smash all right so let's get to some fun nfl topics what you got for us chuck okay we're gonna start with the best game of the weekend he's chuck today yeah this is he's trying to make chuck happen really we'll see if it happens i'm still like it's been a while since i've been on with you guys and so not calling you alabaster still feels weird (laughs) it's 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 strange to me too you know what else you you can can also you know you could also call you could also call him snakeem olajuwon be or nella snack the ladies what oh and the man. gentlemen they coming out the woodwork they like no, man the, the dudes, i didn't know the dudes i didn't know me. charlie was cute let me tell you what i have seen the way you guys collectively as a show have been out here thirst trapping oh we trapping. man you we guys trapping. like charlie, charlie. I, I i'm a little surprised but like I, I felt like this was more in your bag dominique like you've been married with kids for a long time out the game and all of a sudden you just bust out out of nowhere sometimes shirtless letting it ride it's been incredible sometimes you gotta let them know you still got it you still got it charlie trying charlie trying to hide his chest hair behind that microphone he got that thing unbuttoned to the navel they're gonna they're they're gonna blur it in post anyway looking like like lou riddick (laughs) (laughs) all right should we talk about the chiefs Uh, sure it's nakeem what you got okay the chiefs are playing the jaguars travis kelsey's back chris jones is back Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. 
Do we see a bounce back game from Mahomes and the Chiefs this week? Is this, is this, are we getting last year's Chiefs or this year's Chiefs? This feels like an easy topic that we can move past really quickly and get right into the Taylor Swift talk because that's where we really want to go. That's of right. course they're going to bounce back. Of course the Chiefs are going to be good because the Chiefs always are good. Patrick Mahomes is still there. Uh, Andy Reid is still there. There were a bunch of drop passes last week that professional receivers will not drop again. Uh, Chris Jones is coming back. Uh, they're Yeah, I mean, they won't. They, these guys had a bad day, or I guess we – I shouldn't say these guys. I can talk about who where I can talk about. Yeah. Kadarius Tony yeah. had a bad day. He will never drop that many passes that that are returned for touchdowns again in his life. And I'm, glad one day. You, I'm glad you said that we're returned for touchdowns because there's still a chance he could drop a bunch of balls yeah. going forward. They're not gonna they're not gonna return for touchdowns though. They're also not gonna throw him as many balls, I think. Now that you've got <laughs> Papa Travis back, because as we saw in the last couple of years, the Chiefs were already trending using more tight ends anyway. So now that you got the big head honcho back, I feel like it slots easy in there and I'm with you. Like that's the unfun part about the week one overreactions is we had all three of the best AFC teams leave, uh, lose. And our collective response is like, eh, yeah, it's week one. They're going to figure it yeah. out. It's going to be fine. But <laughs> Travis Kelsey, man, might've pulled off the ultimate coup here. And I saw Mac, if mentioned it the other day, he's got to represent for all of football right now, Dominique. Yes. Like this is our one chance to try and get into the Taylor Swift conversation. It's been all actors and musicians up until now and largely European guys. And so for Americans in the world of sports, this is a big put up or shut up moment. I never even thought about this until this very moment is these things can be kind of a trend. So if this goes well, a lot of athletes going to get some pop, like a lot of football players, because it's, it's always been the basketball guys. Like the basketball guys, uh, I mean, the whole time it's kind of been like. Kardashian cottage industry. Yeah. And like the, you have a basketball player, you're kind of cool. But Travis could be thinking like he could be pulling to Pete Davidson is maybe Travis climbs into this world and he becomes the new like pass around guy that all the hot young starlets are like hey let me get next to travis i mean he's got a decided advantage because in a helmet sport he's now become a face like he was yeah. before too but then the podcast nah. blows up and now and he's on snl right. and, he's, and he's handsome like he's and he's kind of cool I do, I do have to say this i mean travis was on our side at one point, I'm just saying. And he, yeah, it's he, been a surprise to all of us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Travis, Travis, uh, it was pretty clear that Travis liked black women. And then he went and found the whitest woman of all white women. I'm very confused. I, Taylor, I you're not his type, Taylor. I wonder if that's why she was rapping Amelia at the VMA <laughs> very hard the other night. I'll show you, Travis. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> I got it. No, it, and, and you know what the interesting part is? Do I like fully believe it's happening? No, not really. But am I willing to go along with this? Because her camp hasn't squashed this rumor yet. Yeah, like I feel like if happening. it was totally out of pocket, they would have put that thing down. So I'm excited for our. She guy, doesn't. Man. She doesn't need the 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 um bump. I don't think that it's happening or that it's spreading if it's like completely unfounded. But I guess all right. Last question before we get on to more NFL stuff is important. How do you play this if you're Travis? Because like it's not going to last. You know, like they, they aren't going to get married. So you get out, you break up quickly so that you have the upper hand or you go and say that your heart was broken. What's the strategy for Travis? What's the game plan? Or do you just go in it earnestly and try to fall in love and get married? I was going to say, man, this is like holding the winning lottery ticket. I would go in oh, yeah. there earnestly. I would play this one by the books. I'm not bringing this to the podcast. I'm shaking mom and dad. I'm 
I am going here and putting my absolute best foot forward and trying oh. to be on my best behavior for this one and see it where it goes. Because, man, listen, football's a hard game. Travis has played this for a long time. It'd be nice to go and be, like, stay-at-home dad status or at least, like, road husband status where you go there and you're cheering in the crowd and you're supporting your baby while she's on stage doing her thing. What I'm trying to say is I would gladly sign up to be that guy, so I hope Travis has that foresight, too. Yeah, I feel like you're just hoping that Taylor sees this clip as uh, all that's happening right now. Go, Joe. If they're still dating next summer, we're, we're getting Dominique to an heiress to her show. No, oh, thanks. oh, we need He's going to love it. We're going to go to like Germany or something like that yeah. and just get wild in the front row of that show after Dominique buys us the tickets because he's rich. <laughs> it's basically every single show is the equivalent atmosphere of, of Michigan, Ohio State. Dude, oh, I, Dominique, I kid you not. I, I say this with 100% sincerity. Like I'll drop the funny act here and just tell you the truth that I know. I went and saw the second to last night of the LA uh, Stretch of Her Tour. So it was the second to last show of the North American Tour. And after one song, the crowd goes wild. It had been a trend on the whole tour. They went for double the length. It was nine minutes of screaming by the crowd after one song. And I promise you, I have been to Knoxville and seen games at Neyland. I have been to Alabama versus LSU 1-3 at night in Death Valley. This Ooh. was the loudest stadium environment I have ever played in or watched a game in in my oh. entire life. It was incredible. I would go. I don't think that I would enjoy it the way you think I would enjoy it. I think it'd be a cool experience. But yeah. Like I don't think, like uh, I don't think that I'd be like, oh, I'm a Taylor Swift fan now. Like I don't know. I can't name a Taylor Swift song. Like it's the, because the music's not for me, and it's fine. Y'all can love it, but it ain't for me. That's you're the problem. It's you. Um, <laughs> it's not me. It's, if she start rapping about moving that's a bricks, Taylor Swift lyric. if I if I oh, oh, the Taylor Swift. Wait, oh my bad. Could you imagine if Taylor came out with an album and just started rapping about <laughs> moving bricks? If she rapping about moving bricks, doing the, the way scale. If Taylor Swift is rapping about taking care of her ops, I'm in. That is the type of music I like to listen to. I like action movies and action music. I don't want to see your 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 romance film. I'm good on that, and I don't want to listen to your heartbreak song. If your boyfriend upset you so much that you had to run up on his block, I'm in. Charlie, I'm going to say it. And you tell me if I'm off base here. I think Dominique sounds like a reputation era guy. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's angry Taylor. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, I want to hear. I want to hear angry Taylor. I'm down with that. If you want to, if you want to get me with a love song, it better be Andre Three Stacks. Anybody else? I'm good. Moving on. Right. What's next? All right. We're, we'll, so we sort of answered it because we were talking about all the bounce back teams, but I do want to ask about what I think is probably the most interesting game of the weekend, and that's the Bengals versus the Ravens because we the Bengals looked like absolute dog water, and this happens when Joe Burrow misses training camp every single year. Um, but they're still three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Ravens. Burrow's calf clearly wasn't healthy with the way they were calling plays. Lamar also looked yeah. bad in week one. So do you, which team do you expect to have a, a more leveling performance, the Bengals or the Ravens? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to predict. I think the Bengals, we, I have faith in both of these teams. Unfortunately, the Ravens, as they always are, are injured and got more injured. Like, it feels like there's something going on there. It's where I tore my ACL, but aside from that, 
everyone every year it's something wrong with important players they lost Ronnie Stanley again who I thought was finally going to be back to his true all pro form so like that's concerning for the long-term picture but what's more concerning for the Ravens is this new Todd Munkin offense wasn't as explosive against a team that we did not expect to be all that good early on uh, they didn't do preseason stuff, blah, blah, blah. They're still working into it. Okay, Zay Flowers was amazing. That's nice. Um, on the other side, I mean, I, I think I honestly might have – I was high on the Ravens, and I'm still not moving off of the Ravens, but who I think is more likely to bounce back uh, or have a more leveling performance might be the Bengals because they aren't doing a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. It's the same guys. I know they normally, they traditionally under Joe Burrow start the season a little slow, so maybe that'll continue to happen, but they aren't figuring out a new offense. They, they're, I mean, Joe Burrow's getting healthy again, but they still got their guys. Their defense is a little bit more talented, I think, uh, um, or not talented, but faster. So I think uh, they'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable with them. But then it's Lamar Jackson. The thing is, Lamar Jackson is... It's so Lamar Jackson-y. He, he around and, and go for 300 yards through the air and two on the ground. Well, that's I what I wanted know, to ask because the one thing we didn't really see last week was a ton. I think Lamar had, what, six carries in that game? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like at this juncture, I know that's not the bulk of it. Now, if you go back and look, even with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, Georgia did, especially in the red zone, a lot of quarterback run mixed into their situation. A lot of that, like, pin and pull, tackle, pull stuff down by the goal line. And we saw a little bit of that. So, I'd expect they're going to have to rely on more of that because while like some of the guys that have been backing up on that Ravens offensive line, unfortunately have experience, especially at left tackle because of the way the last few years have gone for Ronnie, it still feels like it's going to be an uphill battle against the other side that you're right. Dominique is just whole and has more continuity based on where they're starting from here and not for nothing. And I know I heard you and Mina talk about this part of the problem for Cincinnati last week was I just think, this Cleveland defense is kind of going to be like that for teams this year. Like that's a group with wild speed at every level that gave them problems. That's fair. They can point to that defense and say, that was a problem. The Ravens can't really do the same to the Texans and say that was well, the challenge. Also on Lamar, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game since September 18th, 2022. Ouch. Well, I mean, he's injured and stuff. Yeah. Man. He's capable of it. For um, that, it was October 11th, 2021. Well, I mean, Todd Munkin, Odell Beckham, you know. Zay Flowers, I guess. Zay Flowers, blah, blah, blah. Zay was awesome, man. Like, it's it's been hard to come by happy tales around Boston College for the last couple of years, but that dude's been one of them. Good Lord. Uh, Do you think he looked faster because he wore the college-length socks? (laughs) I'm hard on this point that he he wore the the mid-calf socks and immediately looked like he was a college player weaving through defenses. That is interesting. And I've been more cognizant of the sock stuff. And I know for a lot of NFL guys, they'll just do the long tights instead of socks. But like with a guy like Daniel Jones, it makes his lower leg look so long and it's off. It somehow makes him look less athletic despite being a guy that we know is very athletic. So yes, I'll subscribe to your mid sock theory. (laughs) I love it. Um, Last one, Josh Allen. Bad, bad, bad in week one, like real bad. They're eight and a half or nine point favorites against the Raiders, depending on different books. Does that line make sense? And do we see good or better or bad Josh Allen? Nine point line anywhere in the NFL does not make sense. Uh, but we definitely see good Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, 
there's nothing, no reason to point to Josh Allen and suspect that he won't bounce back. These are he has these type of games from time to time. Maybe not as bad as this one, but he normally has plays like that through the course of a game where he's also doing amazing things. So if he hasn't forgotten how to be bad, I don't think he's forgotten how to be great either. The conversation around him is talking about how he. Uh, since 2020, I think, is the most turnovers of any other quarterback. But people like also are very artful in how they leave out. He also has the most touchdowns of anybody in that period. And his touchdown to interception ratio is second to um, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes over that period, who are the only two quarterbacks to put up numbers like they put up and also keep low turnover numbers in the history of football. So I will take a breath now and let you guys accept the fact that Josh Allen is still going to be good. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Like. He was third in MVP voting last year, even with all the conversation we had about his arm in the last Crazy. half of the season. Like I, I remember seeing uh, two in the FTN Almanac that shots did. They were top five in DVOA in both junctures of the season, like before injury and after injury. And I know it changed a little, look different and it's going to look different this year. We saw how much 12 they wanted to use. We saw the Dalton Kincaid out there and how they played with that. But like this guy, and I, I just kind of had this realization hearing you talk about it now is as a Notre Dame football fan, the last like five years have been really interesting because you've been better than 90% of college football, but just not better than that top upper crust of like four or five teams that have dominated the sport. And so you get compared to that and challenged with that. And it ends up being the thing that cuts you down. Like Josh Allen has been great. He just hasn't been able to beat Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow in the last couple of years, which is something he's going to have in common with a lot of people right now. And so yeah, like the results have still been there. The dude's still freak show talented and better than 95% of the league on any given day. Sneaking that goofy Notre Dame take in here. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> we got a quarterback now, man. Listen, my, oh, life, yeah. is, my life is great. I have never he's, talked so much about in my life. He is old. Um, yeah, uh, I, I do think, however, I don't know, we can have this conversation in a couple weeks, but I think we all agree that the Bills – championship window with his core is closing if not already closed so yeah. while josh allen's still going to be good i don't think while some people around the sport have been kind of confused why we haven't been talking about the bills the same way we talked about everyone else in their division um i think the reason why is because they're getting old and older and there are there seems to be no succession plan well that's i think the biggest difference you're right is when you look at their peers in the afc they've all already had to make the shift, whether it's their quarterback deciding to play more conservatively because of how defenses approach them, whether it's quite frankly, both Kansas city and the uh, Bengals now having almost completely hockey line changed their offensive lines, having done the same thing, getting younger in their defensive secondaries because they had to let guys go in free agency for Cincinnati. The next test is going to be what it looks like if, and when they have to lose either of those receivers coming up when those paydays are due the way that Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. Buffalo really hasn't had to do that. We've had most of Josh Allen's success come in the Stefan Diggs era. We don't really know what life looks like if that goes south and if that relationship continues to be an issue. The defense has old all over the place. We finally had to see them shed talent at the linebacker level this last year, but like that safety and secondary has been around there for a while, been injured a bunch. That could be a worry this year. So they haven't had to make that shift yet or haven't been challenged to make that shift yet. And that's kind of the measuring stick for the top end AFC teams right now. All right. What's next? All right. Last one. Last, last one is uh okay. So this one's fascinating to me because it sort of like brings in fantasy football and real football. And that's talking about the Atlanta Falcons because 
you know they've drafted in success in um, concurrent year successive years. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, all top ten picks. We think all of those guys are really good. They also have Arthur Smith, who's a coach who we think is good at winning football games, but he doesn't use his best players the way that they're traditionally used. So they won in week one, and Bijan Robinson had the highlight of all highlights in his first week. But the question still lingers. Based on how they're using these guys, do you think the Falcons allocated their draft capital correctly? The funny thing is, the one that I know they got right is the one that everyone thinks they got wrong. So you need to have a quarterback to properly use a receiver and to properly use a tight end. You all you need is a football with B. John Robinson. I think that B. John Robinson is up there as far as I've <clears throat> one game. Okay. But when you watch him play, he looks to me as impactful as Christian McCaffrey, as impactful as Saquon Barkley. He is up there close to Tyreek Hill, as far as I'm concerned, as best weapons in all of the NFL. And Yes, that is good allocation of draft capital. I get it. I know all the reasons why you don't spend money on quarterbacks or on running backs early in the draft. But you know what I like? Throw a man a ball, he give you a touchdown. What's the coverage? I don't care. Give it to Bijan. How many people guarding him? Three? Whatever. I'll drop him. Give it to Bijan. Hand it to Bijan. Pitch it to Bijan. Run a screen to Bijan. I don't care. He is good. Maybe you don't re-sign Bijan further, but you got five years of a guy that when you throw him the ball, you might get a touchdown no matter what. I like it. No, 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 but that's not the question. The question is how do we get Arthur Smith to use him because he's splitting carries and touches almost 50-50 with Tyler Algier, who they got at the end of the draft and was also good. So it's also this is also an Arthur was, Smith question, well, I was not just say, a Bijan being good. Like, if anything, it, like what have we learned about running backs through the whole offseason discourse here is Dominique's right. This is the exact window when you want to have an incredibly talented guy with more resources allocated his way. But also we've seen with Saquon Barkley and some of these other guys that pop up, injury becomes a mitigating factor in a lot of the back-end conversation. So if you've got a Tyler Algier who was balling for you last year, why not spread the love a little bit more, take some hits off his body, and get more, better, longer from Bijan in this five-year window, and then make a decision from there. Hell, maybe the Falcons can even break this curse, and all of a sudden if you can keep him healthy through the first three years when you get to that extension period, do what I've been talking about and plenty of other people have been talking about with some of these better high-end running backs, sign into a three-year deal in their mid-20s for money that's a bit over what you got with the tag, make them feel the love and make sure you got them locked down for their very best years. Because Dominique's right. The offense gets real high school with Bijan if you want it to, man, where you could just throw your best player the ball and let him cook. That's what you got the capability of here. So maybe they're spreading it around in a way that could be informative going forward. Yeah, and um, my high school football coach, my junior year, got coach of the year for um, the for our county. That man don't know nothing about football. Ah, like he wasn't coaching. He wasn't coaching. You give it to the guy that's faster than everybody else. It's real nice. Gets real easy to coach. Gets real easy to quarterback. Gets real easy to block. Gets real easy to do everything when you got somebody that's better than everybody. And Bijan is better than everybody. Dominic, what position did you play on offense when you were in high school? Did you play quarterback? I played touchdown. There you go. Oh, you were you were offensive weapon. You were just ATH. 
No, I played running back, and then our quarterback graduated, so I played quarterback. I played running back from the beginning of my senior year, and we lost the game, and then they moved me to, to quarterback. But technically, I wasn't throwing that thing. I was just playing running back without a handoff. It was it. It was, it was very, very high school because we were in high school. That was my favorite thing about my senior year, our high school quarterback. My senior year was our running back the year prior. And the best thing about him was in the open field when he would juke guys, which he was actually pretty good at, despite being basically a meatball. He would yell whoop as he was going by guys. Like the inverse of what we saw last week with Geno Smith yelling, oh my God, when Aaron Donald was bearing down, you would just hear Dean Spencer's his name. And he'd go by a guy and you hear him go whoop, whoop, whoop. Just arm over and dudes with the ball. It was legendary. I love it. Good times. That was fun. That's great. All right. What we got next? Rose and thorns? Rose and thorns. Let's do it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. He's so good! How is Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, your favorite segment with my favorite person, Roses and Thorns. Ashley's here. What is up, bud? Hi, honey. You look nice. I like the sweater. Thank you. You know, I got the biggest compliment out walking in when I was, I went to Wawa to get a soda. And you know how there are always people on like city streets to try to get you to sign petitions? I don't know what organization they were from. But this one guy, he was like a young black guy. He yelled, hey, Barbie. I said, oh, I might give him my credit card number. But luckily, when I came out of Wawa, he was engaged with another um, like credit card person. Why you I don't think what he wanted was your credit card number. But anyway. Oh, I thought I, they I did. To, I thought that's so, how they collected their donations. Oh, oh, I thought he was hitting on you, but not no, trying to. No, he was card. like trying to get me. But oh, I was like, this okay. is the smartest way. I, like, I couldn't tell what organization right. he was with. I was like, it could be any. Anything. My, my, and I might be my there hosting, said, hey, Barbie. My hosting abilities have been under fire. So <laughs> they I, have been. And, and you make it very can challenging. Challenge them, so me. I'm gonna get right back and get us right back on I topic. Like this is a challenge. And to challenge. Make, what to movie make. is that from? Where they say challenge? My life a lot. It's not a movie. It's from. Uh, it's from. Uh, Fresh Prince. Anyway, okay. Serafina, our great producer, please. For Serafina. Tell us what we talking about. You know, about. I just saw a cool fact about the movie. Serafina, <laughs> our great producer, please. Is it Whoopi Goldberg said tell she us wasn't doing Sister Act 2 unless Disney produced Serafina. Serafina. I didn't know Serafina, the movie, was from Disney, Serafina. which leaves me with the question of why isn't it on Disney Plus along Serafina. with Polly. That's something I've been complaining about for months on here. Serafina. Now to Serafina. Hi, guys. Hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> All right, first topic. Coco Golf, First American team to win a Grand Slam singles title since Serena. What are your thoughts? 
I mean, I, I wanted to do this topic with you. It's a sports topic. We normally don't do sports topics, but with me or with Seraphina? No, with you. Oh, okay. not Seraphina. Say, Seraphina, come on in. <laughs> with you, because we normally do sports topics here, but there are a few things in sports that rise to the level where I will catch you in a separate room, mm-hmm. like you were getting ready to go out, and you had it on your TV. I was so mad at this man. Oh, well, anyway, the point is that I was making is like, this is a sports topic that you actually care about. And I mean, we don't have to sugarcoat it. We talk about race and stuff a lot around here. And it's interesting to me and funny and unsurprising. But when there is a black sports event, a sports event that seems like particularly black and you can throw Deion Sanders in this category we all like circle around it it's like his game against Nebraska <laughs> over the yeah. weekend on my own I was like what, on I, multiple TVs I turned on the gym and then I had to go take a shower I turned in my bathroom because I wanted to catch the rest and the Coco Golf experience and like you're not a tennis fan but mm-hmm. even like Serena you watch tennis when Serena plays Naomi Osaka when she used to play and remember when Naomi Osaka we were at your brother's house and Naomi and Serena faced off which open was it and it's like shoot who am I gonna go with and at the time Serena was the one who like so it was like okay come on Serena I was like all right let's go Naomi um but yes yeah, so I, I guess um, I wonder how Sarita feels watching all this because this modern tennis wave of American tennis is like all black on the men's and women's side, but particularly on the women's side where yeah. we're actually competitive and they're up and comers who are black also. There's one from DC. Uh, I Hopefully, I don't ruin her name, but Clervy Negunaway. Oh, wow. She won the junior Wimbledon, and she's from D.C. You got Osaka, obviously, when she's coming back. Madison Keys, uh, Robin Montgomery. A lot of young black tennis women that you're going to have to get to know real soon. I'll say I was not worried about when Shelton, even in Tiafo. Tiafo has, like, local roots and yeah. whatever. So when they were playing, I was a little bit team Tiafo. Um, but had Madison Keys and Coco Gauff face each other in a match, I can't say I was going to be conflicted there. I've heard some Madison Keys quotes that just don't have me rooting too hard. Um, a little Tiger Woods-esque. Um, but still. Serena, I mean, Serena had the, had the Tiger impact or the impact that people thought Tiger was going to have on golf. There aren't like... Uh, I saw that since 2000, the U.S. women who have won the women's singles for at the U.S. Open are Serena... A bunch of times. Venus, I think, multiple times. Sloane Stevens and now Coco Golf. And so it's funny because particularly with sports like golf or like tennis, where traditionally, like for us, we were, we were born in the 80s. So like traditionally, we didn't see ourselves or people who look like us represented in those sports. It's so different now because you think about our kids, like at least for U.S. women's sports, like it's black women who dominate tennis now. Like for them now, black it's a, it's a black sport almost. Um, which, but But to me, because of, you know, Growing up, when I grew up, like Venus and Serena introduced us to tennis. Um, And so I think particularly in spaces where the sports have not been or the not just the sport, but the field has not been dominated by black people, like on the Supreme Court or wherever. I'm going to root for the brown and black people and the women in um, on in those spaces. Um, I mean, I think everybody can understand that even people who aren't black, whatever the thing that you associate with, like you're going to be drawn more to someone who's from where you're from. If you're watching uh, a competition or look like how you look. And I think everyone identifies with it, but it happens. So uh, it feels like it's so much more. And maybe it's just because I am black, but it feels like it's so much more powerful when it is black people in this country, considering the history of black people in the country. But 
I find it interesting in college sports, especially with the Deion Sanders thing, because obviously college football is very black. But there's something about presenting yourself in a way that is black, which is a tricky thing to try to. And like not trying to sugarcoat it or not trying to make mainstream people not see that in you. And I think it's interesting. I was and also his family's just compelling. Like it's this big like I think, you know. He's had two ex-wives and now is with Babyface's ex-wife, like mm-hmm. is his partner. And so kids from multiple marriages, this like Jenner Kardashian-esque almost blended family, right. like where like like them and, and themselves are compelling. Like like they could have a reality show. They have their KFC commercials that make you feel like you're a little bit inside of their household, you know. I'm and working, they're cute, so that's helpful. Yeah, I'm working on writing this essay too for this thing. Uh, for the Black Museum, which is about sports. And it's like inevitable that you think about sports in like a microcosm way for a society. And it seems like unavoidable, particularly when we do it in sports. And I think that's the conclusion, or when we do it with Deion Sanders, is that's the conclusion that I am somewhat coming to, is like it's not even that he is black and doing things in a way that, I mean, there is no single one black way, but in a way that's distinctly different, which I think is often how black is characterized. It's like, oh, that ain't how they normally do it. Because there have been black coaches who've had success, obviously, plenty of them. No one's, no black coaches won a national championship. But there have been plenty of black coaches in college football so have had a success, but they don't do it in the way that Dion does it. And no one does it the way but that Dion does it. But does anyone do anything in the right. way that Dion does it? But I know that's the thing that I find interesting is because it's not, it's about Dion. And this is a really, really awkward comparison to make, but it reminds me in some ways about how we gathered or or we rallied around OJ because it wasn't about OJ as much as it was about the criminal justice system and a black person in it and what it represented. And so Dion's not a terrible person or whatever. But it just reminds me of that because Dion, what what he's done so far, none of it is like... He left an HBCU, like, but it's the blackest thing in all the sports right now. At least it feels like, and it's the coolest thing, and everybody wants to be a part of it, and it's happened so fast. But for me, at least, I think I wouldn't be nearly as interested if it weren't also this family dynamic part of it, too. Um, I think that, for me, plays into it, but... I mean, the the stuff that people don't like about him is he's doing things... He's not doing anything different. He's doing it in his way. So, like, he is uh, the... The criticism of him that's somewhat fair is how he's kind of run a bunch of players out. Other coaches do that too. They just don't have a. But hasn't a video. he brought other people in who yeah. wouldn't have had these opportunities yeah. otherwise? I mean, it's to be at this like Power Five school. And I guess maybe, and I think the OJ comparison, although it makes that's sense, not fair. it's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Take so that I, back. I take that's it back. That's my fun favorite saying. That's not fair. I, I sound I like that. That's not I take fair. Take it back. I, it's, it's not. But I mean, but I see I stand, honestly, it came to my mind. It came to my mind, but I wouldn't have said it. But it's not fair. But anyway, the point, the reason why I was bringing that up is because. I think the older I get, the less I want to like jump on these bandwagons because they make me nervous. You know, like I, I'm, I can, can support Deion Sanders, or I can support what's happening in Colorado, but it also feels exploitative. Whereas, like Colorado is putting out here, their commercials are based around Deion Sanders. Everything is very Deion centric, and they are very, they're getting very close. And this is something that happens a lot. I know I read an article a few years ago about TV networks. When they launch TV networks, they're very black at the beginning. Because black people we watch TV at a disproportionate way, rate and are very loyal and supportive. So, like, they when Fox first started, it's a bunch of black shows. UPN first started. CW first started. All these networks first start. It's like black show, black show, black show. They get some traction. Okay. Th- then they start transitioning away from it. And I think that 
um, while like using, yeah, while I want to be supportive of Dion and the blackness around it and him doing things differently and frankly him exposing how ugly college sports actually can be because when people start criticizing him, you're like, you know who else is doing that? Mm, Everybody else. <laughs> they just aren't calling their players Louis bags, but they're doing the same thing. But part of me is like, does Colorado deserve all, like does Colorado deserve all these rappers on their sideline and all these uh, like becoming the cool school on the back of Deion Sanders and his uh, proximity to whatever air quotes real a real black person is it's well like, Deion Sanders and his family I think that's another thing that like he brought his kids with them like like right now Do Dominique is coaching our son your roses that y'all did good in your scrimmage last week I wasn't really paying attention but I trust that they said they did good in their scrimmage last yeah, week they did well. um but so that's your rose but so I think like it's so cool that he's like putting his family on basically like to me part of it's like well he might have just done this to help his son and if so that is so effing noble yeah. and like 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 you would do stuff to help your son. I would do stuff to help our children. I'm if, coaching this if team. we had, yeah, no, if we had it, but if we had an opportunity to like really put them on and like it was something that we thought was like healthy for them or like fitting with their desires, I think we would. So I think to me, I love that about Dion's. He just seems like a great family man and all this, especially with those KFC commercials with his mama in them and all his kids. Um, I've seen two of them so far. I'm hoping that there's like a series and they keep rolling them out all season. Another thing I wanted to get to before we get to that, the last thing I'll say about what we talked about is it's it's all great and it's all good but it also reminds me that it feels a little bit or not a little bit it's unfair to to Dion and to Coco and to black people in white spaces often as you have this extra burden that you have to carry and like Coco knows that she's breaking like Madison Keys and not carry that <laughs> she's carrying it whether she wants to or not because uh -huh. the things that she says are then viewed in a way that if a white person said it wouldn't be viewed that way like you can't when you yeah. are when you are doing anything while black you're always doing two things because being black is a thing in itself but anyway wow. there's one last thing like wb du bois over here no i, I, I wrote <laughs> that in something i wrote a long time ago and Lana O'Neill stole it. She can have it though. She's a better writer than me. But anyway, I wanted to get to this last thing that's a, a little less heavy. Okay. Uh, Serafina, what you got for me? Okay, second topic. So Derek Rowe's wife, Elena, posted on her IG stories a video of Derek playing chess on his phone at a Drake concert with the caption, <laughs> when I make my husband come outside. And I thought this would make a good relationship theory of the week. Should you do things just to please your significant other? Ooh. Well, I mean... So I think the way you're phrasing that, yes, sometimes you should do things to please your significant other, in my opinion. Like, there are certainly things that I don't sometimes, and Dominique would be like, well, don't do it. But like, and you do the same thing. Like, we want to please each other. But I should never force you to do something to please me. And I think that like, we're happier when we each don't. But I don't fall, just FYI to, is it Elena Rose? Like, like, I don't think in this context, maybe she wasn't forcing well, him there. Well, I guess we view it differently because we're at different spots in a relationship. And I am more like um, Derek Rose in that I don't like being outside as much as you do. So what the way I viewed it is even if I wanted to play chess and there were probably times where I do things that are very antisocial at social events, that's more the question to me is not because I don't feel like I like take you places that you don't want to go very often because I don't really want to go. He doesn't leave the house. Yeah, I don't really He'll be taking me to the basement to watch him play Xbox with his friends. Pretty fun. <laughs> or, or, or don't. But he doesn't. Like you or want don't. that alone time. Yeah. I'm good. I so I guess TV. that was more what I thought was like, how do you show up in these 
places. Is it okay to do something like that? Or should you just be like, nah, I don't want to go because I could see myself and I probably have done something similar to that plenty of times where I just stand in the corner and then you have to answer a bunch of questions about people like what's wrong with your husband and you have to tell them that I don't like them. Well, I don't ever say you don't like people. Um, but but I, yeah, I just don't think you should ever like I think it's so I see a lot of people who are either newly dating or but not even that. I've seen some like long term couples and they're making it or not that long term. So I don't know how long they gonna make it. But like who do everything together. Like yeah. I'm going to dinner with my friends. Let's go together. <laughs> um, and I think we're like kind of a far extreme of that where like I'm quick to be like, OK, bye. And you're you will quick to go to the basement. But he also travels like for work a good amount. So that might be why. But like from the time we were young, I remember this is like one of the things I feel worst about my that marriage, which he probably doesn't even care about. But our literally our first anniversary um, July 3rd, 2011. You've told me this a couple he times cooked, and I forget it every time you he tell me. He cooked a meal for me. And at the time we had a, like an infant daughter. He cooked a meal for me. We were living in Baltimore County and I wanted to go to like a pre 4th of July cookout at my friend's house. A friend of mine from law school who wasn't always in town was in town and having a cookout at her mom's house. She lived somewhere else at the time. Um, and I really want to see Jenny. So I was like, okay, like, and he's like, well, I cooked and he, it was like courses and it was like this delicious meal. Um, and so I was like, okay, and it was good, and I enjoyed it. He made the sorbet that was so great, but I was, like, anxious to go see my friends. So as soon as it was done, we ate early at my request so I could, like, pack up Avery, and then we drove down to D.C., where I think I ended up just spending the night that night down there. Maybe I came back. I can't remember. But, like, now I'm like, that's crazy. I would never, like, ditch you on an anniversary like that again. But, like, I showed up on our anniversary to a cookout by myself. Like, and it wasn't like a, oh, where's your husband? Like, we just always kind of have been fine doing things alone. I mean, I feel like we have fun plenty of times. It's good. We hanging in there. Everything can't be perfect. we're fine. And then we go home and we're perfectly happy together. (laughs) It's just (laughs) sometimes we're out. So I've had a rose for you. I've had a thorn for you. Tucked into this conversation. Um, Do you have, oh, I have a rose for myself is that I was early-ish today. You were. You were. We started on time today. I appreciate that. Um, I have a thorn for myself. What? I don't like when you have thorns for you. We got an interception and I got really excited. Oh, the team? Yeah. Who got it? No more of that. Um, it was Chase. Oh, Chase. And he did. I told him what to look for, and he did exactly what I coached Aww. him. And I was so excited. He returned it for a touchdown, and I sprinted down the sideline to celebrate with him. I was so I happy. saw the vid- picture was, of that. His dad took was, a picture of that, but I didn't know what was, was happening. I was very disappointed in myself, so no more of that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, of, like, celebrating I don't want to show up to kids, like, a grown man running down the sidelines. Like, you know, just chill out. Relax. But, yeah, I was proud of Chase. I'm very proud of the players on the team. They're really yeah. good. I we think, like, practice tonight. showing them that, like, you support them and you're proud of them, like, maybe in a way that you feel comfortable other people seeing. But I always want people to know, like, when they do something well and when I'm proud. I think we've talked about this before. Like, I want to make people's <sighs> accomplishments feel seen. I, I can't. I don't have room in my life to love uh, 15 more children and I'm like the more time I spend around them, the yes. more I care about them and yes. it sucks and I hate it the end thank you Ashley for being here thank you everybody Charlie Serafina you're the best Megan Brian Kevin was Serafina the best no everybody's the best oh, okay because you said in the middle so I was like that's not right that's oh. choosing playing favorites everybody's the best it's a you put the best in there so it can reach everybody on every direction we have a really exciting mission right now guys it's <laughs> No, we don't. You don't want to tell people about your broken pants. Please, my jeans broke. All right, we're done. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 